Evening. Associate Pastor Sean Mercer filling in for Pastor Rick this evening. Doing well, enjoying some time off. Go ahead and open up, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. So middle of the Bible to the right just a little bit. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. <clears throat> I'll read to you the verse and then get into it. So uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 will be a familiar verse to most of us, I believe. So Solomon speaking, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. So uh, titled tonight, Solomon Says. And I'm going to look at the verse here because wrapped up in this single verse is so much of Solomon's life, his experience. Such a very powerful lesson for us as well. And uh, again, quite a lot wrapped up in it. So thinking back to early days of becoming a believer, what does God want from me? How shall I serve him? Well, this is one of the good places to start. Learning, uh, learning the life of faith, living it, and uh, again falling short and enjoying that process till the very end and continuing to perfect it and be perfected. So in setting the scene for us this evening, I don't want to spend too much time discussing the folly of chasing riches, often associated with Solomon, just his immense wealth. Um, I bring that up because, again, thinking of Solomon and just what was at his disposal, I think an easy comparison for us today, we hear the 1% thrown around, so he will have been you know, in the higher end, if not toward the very top of that. And uh, I happened to catch a movie on that, and it was an interview of the kids of such immense wealth. So these were all kids pretty much of uh, heirs of generational wealth, like uber-rich, lots and lots of money, and uh, didn't have to do anything in life, really. Just kind of exist and spend and won't go into too much of the details, don't really want to spend a whole lot of time in it, but uh, it was just interesting how every single one of them at some point in the documentary and the interviews brought up just how petrified they are of having that wealth taken from them. And this is uh, such folks as Johnson & Johnson. Think of Band-Aids and pharmaceuticals and that kind of thing, and uh, that wealth really isn't going anywhere, but for the child to be written out of the will, taken out of the trust, have, you know, everything taken away that uh, is just something that, in their own words, not just terrifies, but they're petrified of being the victim of that, so... Again, I think we're a little wiser than chasing wealth, having walked with the Lord a little while and uh, seeing the folly of it. But again, something that, you know, Solomon is known for here. And uh, what spoke to me more is uh, not getting caught up in earthly pursuits. And then also with that, keeping the flesh in check to keep a balanced and proper perspective as we grow in our faith. Um, <clears throat> obviously thinking of you know, some of Solomon's downfalls, knowing better and having that kind of the overarching theme of even when you know what's right, 
even when you know the right thing, the right answer, what you should and shouldn't do, keeping that in check enough to know that that's not what life is about. That's not where life is found. You know, obviously, part of Ecclesiastes, life under the sun, so life on earth, earthly pursuits, living for the flesh, living for carnality, living for self. And uh, that's where I'd like to spend our time Again, you know, thinking of all the different ways you could take Ecclesiastes here, looking through at each of the verses and kind of teaching all the wisdom that Solomon has in all the different verses, because it is packed. It is very, very packed full of wisdom that he shares. And again, just the life that's bound up in that. For us, you know, it's always a little more, a little more, a little more if we're pursuing any of what he had at his disposal. So not only did he have wealth in the sense of money, material wealth, and I mean, would have been hard-pressed to spend it all. He had time, just a lot of time to kind of not be bothered if he didn't want to be with anything other than exactly what he wanted to do. Uh, He had influence, kings, and again, people would listen to him and then, obviously, popularity as well. Could have just spent his time cruising down the street, high-fiving everyone if he really wanted to kind of thing. Again, just we may aim for one of these things or, or get sidetracked pursuing one of these things. He had all of them at his disposal to exhaust. And again, in this passage here, that's what's wrapped up in let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. And really doesn't leave it open-ended to put too much else in there. Boils it down quite nicely. Helps us to understand that if we lived our life pursuing any one of these things, for us our life would come up short because we just don't have enough. Don't have enough money, don't have enough time, don't have enough influence, don't have enough popularity. And so the list would go on. So we could end our life in a futile pursuit always thinking, well, one more day or one more week or one more year and I'll achieve it, I'll achieve it, I'll get there, I'll get there and waste time pursuing that. And that's where Solomon is a great example and one that, uh, again, as I kind of went through, you know, you do feel for Solomon too. I'm not kind of, I'll get to that and getting a bit ahead of myself in the introduction, but uh, you know, it's easy to be the armchair quarterback, right? Well, Solomon did this and he should have done that. Should have spent more time in church and less time whatever. I don't know because I haven't been a king, nor will I be. I haven't had that type of wealth. So for me to, uh, again, critique someone such as him, I'm going to leave that alone. Only because, you know, walking with the Lord, just how graceful he is getting things done in and through us, even in spite of us. So, again, hope to open that up a little further. But again, to keep the aim of this passage, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all, to keep it as our compass, again, by the grace of God. Um, Also thinking, too, of how Solomon might have felt as he penned these words, Possibly feeling a little tormented by kind of, you know, did he, did he know at the start of the book that this is where it would end up? Um, having laid out such wisdom and, and, and lament throughout and then to get to the end. Uh, 
and to sum it up quite nicely and uh, succinctly for us. And just to have pretty much his whole life wrapped up in that verse, uh, again, as an example for us. So Paul comes alongside, I believe, uh, here in First Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to read to you from First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. And really the first verse here kind of sums it up. But now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And again, you think of the heartbreak in those people's lives with that last part of that verse, with many sorrows. The consequence of spending life apart from God on ourselves and pursuing things that don't amount to anything and having that with many sorrows be part of our testimony or be part of our suffering <clears throat> is quite unfortunate. Um, you know, I think it's also worth noting uh, at this point that Solomon's life is used by all believers as a safeguard against spending our lives chasing after earthly, fleshly, carnal pursuits. Again, Solomon just had such immense wealth. Uh, I mean, you think of, you know, we carry a wallet, we've got some notes in there, and then really the other side of that would be pallets and pallets of money. And, uh, you know, that would be pretty cool. See, you know, you've got a box truck. It's just packed with cash. I'm going to go to the store. Um, <clears throat> but again, Solomon not just having such immense money and resources, but the time, the power, the influence, um, you know, searching through nature, upending just everything, all he could in pursuing life here on this earth. So, again, if anyone... If anyone had a shot at finding meaning in life apart from God, it was Solomon. And he is our example that we not waste our life, <clears throat> that we not waste time pursuing any of this, because again, he did it for us, and it's our example. I do think some of us might like to try it for a while, though. I did. That does cross your mind, obviously. You know, I think I could handle reading my Bible, drinking coffee for six hours in the morning, taking lunch out by the ocean, preparing, you know, a huge steak wrapped in bacon, shrimp, and scallops. And they have pretty much the first thing I do is based on myself again. So, you know, thinking about wealth too, um, back in high school, I uh, worked at a, one of my first jobs was working at a grocery store that was in the produce department, which I loved. I mean, fresh fruit all the time. You have to taste it, just make sure it's good. Um, my mom would take my sisters on vacation down to my grandmother's for a week or two. And uh, that was during the summer break. So pretty similar to here. Obviously, seasons are different, but we have a pretty long summer break there. So, well, as they were away, I would just work as much as I possibly could, pick up extra shifts, so wash dishes at another job. The good thing about working so much was I had money to just buy new work shirts. I didn't have to wash them while mum was away. Didn't have to be bothered, you know, tending to that. Just in the pile and go buy another one. And then uh, 
you know, you look in the mirror too, you realise you're a teenage boy because you've got pretty low standards of cleanliness. And uh, for the most part, the apron, you know, would cover kind of what happened the day before. So at least get two days out of it. But uh, again, you know, the other job being dishwashing. So that doesn't have to be too clean. But, uh, you know, just thinking about the rough comparison of perspective of our lives versus Solomon, because we have business decisions, deals, things that we work on. Um, I mean, how much do we research buying a car and, and so forth? And, and all that is right and good. Our, you know, our repertoire may be purchasing a house or a few, <clears throat> renting a place, moving a few times, having some money and then knowing what it's like to not have some money, purchasing a car, learning that song and dance only to find out you'll be doing it again sooner than you'd like to. You know, do I get the three-burner grill that suits my needs or can I splash out and get the 12-burner grill? So, again, all of these things are not unique to Solomon. It's just the magnitude of it because, uh, again, for us, taking that sum of kind of what we handle in our life and all the things that we go through, <clears throat> pardon me, I think would probably be an average week for him. So, again, for us to kind of put in perspective of, you know, he was on a on a different level of what would come at him through the day or the decisions that he would make, but still a nature as ours, still prone to carnality, still prone to the flesh. And again, for us this evening, kind of keeping that in check, that we might not get sidetracked. Um, please, again, the verse so twelve thirteen. Uh, sorry, yeah, chapter twelve, verse thirteen. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So I did enjoy spending the time to read back through Ecclesiastes. And uh, it took a little bit because it, it works your brain. You kind of got to think about what Solomon's talking about. Not everything is absolute. Proverbs would be a good example. But, um, <clears throat> you know, as you get older, you don't want to sound like a grumpy old man, right? I mean, everyone, I think, develops some form of... Uh, allergy to stupid as they get older and it's just something you got to keep in check that you don't get in the flesh and you just don't get upset because you can kind of thing so again in reading through and finishing up here it really is just the arrival kind of the finish line and uh, again just so much packed into it because again it's a life represented and what stood out to me was a life represented in that verse there. So, And it wasn't just a regular life. It was the life of Solomon. Um, other things, you know, that, that may come up in thinking of it, the weight of lost opportunity for him, having David as your father, having the plans of the temple put before you, having all of the resources as well. And you're the guy that's used to, to make that happen. The love and grace of God, however, not to be condemned. So don't lose sight of God's grace. Again, as we go through life, falling short here in these things of fearing God. You know, the song, I am prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. <clears throat> and uh, again, keeping his commandments and just all that's wrapped up in that. But the last part of that verse, though, for this is man's all. We're created to fellowship with God. And uh, again, being man's all is fearing him and keeping his commandments. Not just what's best for us, it's the most efficient way to live, but obviously the most blessed as well. So 
Uh, some safeguards from Paul as well. So Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Paul speaking here, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. In verse 9, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. I left out verse 10 because it talks about doing good when we have the opportunity to all. I'm just waiting for a translation that says do good to those who are nice when needed. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Again, getting older and, and just seeing people as created by God and the damage that sin has done, but in there is someone who God loves and as, again, love covers a multitude of sins. And being able to keep that the way that we see people because that's how God sees them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.58, <clears throat> again, Paul here. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So again, all the verses driving at... <clears throat> Our life of faith, learning, applying ourselves, being led by the Spirit, understanding God's grace, but also understanding he has laid out ideals and things to aim at for a reason. Not just to fill a Bible, not just to fill a sermon, but for us to achieve. And, you know, subduing the flesh would be nice, right? <clears throat> I was kind of thinking how obnoxious it would be if we did. Like if we got there and we subdued it, and now we were just perfect. You know, we'd be so humble, for sure, just parading around, helping everyone with their shortcomings as well, not pointing any of them out at all, ever. Just enjoying having arrived and, and being blessed and being the special one that God has given such a gift to. And I think by now you've obviously realized that's also a safeguard of not essentially overcoming the flesh in this life, we, uh, we fight and we fight and we fight. And when we get tired, we fight. And when we uh, stumble, we fight and enjoy being used by God again to show his grace through us that his grace is sufficient. Because again, we aim high and we would love to achieve all of it. And to go to our grave with that in mind and that being thought of us <clears throat> is achievement. But uh, again, just enjoying the Lord working through all of that and the blessing it is to us. I mean, kind of being a nicer person because that's the example given to us is good for us too. It's, we get along with others easier. I'm sure you figured that out by now. That's not anything new. But uh, it, it does benefit not just us but the other person. And, you know, the song will be known you know, by our love, by our love. And again, just the easier side is to love those who are lovable. And that's not what we're called to. 
Um, obviously, here Solomon, not someone to wholeheartedly emulate or be like. However, God has Solomon write it down and write his life down with details. And to Solomon's credit, you know, he doesn't try to sell it as an alternative to living for God as, or as an acceptable use of life. Kind of portrays it how it is and leaves it for the reader to figure out that this is not what you want to do. Um, You know, a believer that is growing in their walk um, deserves all the help another believer can give. You know, life is hard enough without family piling on. Um, That's often not straightforward, you know, in, uh, in seeing a believer struggle. Because, again, the motivation of the heart has to be there. Um, We should be at church to worship God, not to have the worship of God suit us or our tastes. It hurts to see people put themselves above God in the worship of him in his house. And, again, kind of back to that distinction, you have someone that loves the Lord and is, is again, led by the Spirit to continue to grow their faith. Uh, That person, again, is swimming against the current of not just... Uh, a, uh, their own life and their own flesh, but also of the world and our enemy as well. So to come alongside and to aid them as best we can and uh, as as we're led would be a better way of putting that. But uh, again, you know, oftentimes it's I want to come to church and I want it to suit me. And that's where the line is, that's the distinction there. The, the, the condition of the heart. You know, someone comes to you and, and, and says, you know, I, I, uh, I took your lawnmower and ran it over my bed of rocks and I really learned that that's really not a good idea and I'd really like to make it right. Well, it's kind of hard to get upset at that, isn't it? You'd like to. I, I would be like, that's something I would have done. So thank you for doing that for me and I, I see the result. So, uh, again, that, that condition of the heart versus, you know, you're going and your mower's all torn up and you finally figure out how it happened. And, uh, again, just the, the distinction of a heart submitted versus a heart pretending. <clears throat> but uh, let's not miss the glaring lesson of life. Let's not miss the glaring lesson of the life of Solomon as a safeguard, again, against life searching or filling life with busyness without meaning. Again, from the beginning, we're created for fellowship with God. Um, so let's look at fear God. So Ecclesiastes 5.1, I'm going to read verse 5.1 and 5.2. So talking about here, fearing God. So Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they do Sorry, for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven, and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. So again, just the caution of of being kind of reckless, of uh, approaching God on on an equal plane, because it's just not the case. Pardon me, here I think that's a good reason we have two ears and one mouth. A little less talking and a little more listening. I think if evolution was true, there'd be plenty of people with two mouths and one ear or born with foot and mouth to save time. 
So again, just kind of all the thoughts that all of that provokes. But fearing God is uh, with a reverent fear. I'm not going to go into too much of that because I don't think I need to this evening with all of us here. The reverent fear is not treading on eggshells at all. It's just that understanding that he is God and I'm his child. Um, you know, that that reverent fear, pretty uh, pretty significant gift from my grandmother because she gave me a reverent fear. I knew she loved me. Ice cream, shopping, seconds at dinner, kisses, hugs. I knew she loved me, and I knew inside her was a grandma that you didn't mess with. And if for some reason I had a lapse of judgment, she was faithful to remind me. So I kept my place, and she kept me. But, uh, there, you know, in full disclosure, <clears throat> there was a day that you had to eat fish. For dinner, you know, that, that night we had to eat the fish, but that day she would cook these little meatballs wrapped in bacon. And that's a really, really good way to torture people because they're so good when they're fresh. So when she made them the house smelling of roasting meat, I just resorted to outright theft. So she just had to be quicker than I was. And you get older and wiser, you wait for your opportunities a little better. Um, you can't blame that on me, kids, so sorry about that. That's your own choice. And keep his commandments. So the rest of verse 13 there, fear God and keep his commandments. <clears throat> so working for the kingdom is good for us and essential. You know, having our time consumed in some way, shape, or form with worship is such a safeguard. And I do understand, you know, we have jobs and families and life. I'll get into that in a bit. But thinking again of how we set our life, our priorities, what we're working towards, what we're working on, what we're paying attention to. Uh, Romans 8.5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So kind of thinking of, you know, spending some time thinking of the disciples, Walking with the Lord a while helps us to relate, I think, to the disciples. Um, obviously, when we meet them, kind of clumsy, rough, rough edges, carnal. Again, kind of mindful of man and, and uh, moods and that kind of thing. But they did follow when called, which kind of strikes you, right? You're sitting down collecting taxes. Jesus rolls by says, follow me, and you get up and you go. And you leave everything you have to go. Um, some other reminders of the early days with them being tossed in the boat with Jesus asleep in it. They learned that lesson there. The leaven of the Pharisees not bringing bread. So, you know, when you read of these things, I like to put myself in the boat. I like to put myself, you know, on the road there. Jesus said, you know, be wary of the leaven of the Pharisees and guys turned to each other and it was like, man, we didn't bring any bread. I was like, yeah, you were meant to bring the bread. No, you told me you were bringing the bread. So you didn't bring the bread. It's your fault. I'm throwing you under the bus the first chance I get. And again, obviously, that going straight over their heads because he's not talking about bread. He's talking about, <clears throat> again, the leaven of the Pharisees. Uh, Peter rebuking Jesus. That would have been a good one to be at and not be Peter. Um, arguing about who is greater. 
this is the one that kind of you got to chuckle at, right? Because you think of the scene and they're arguing with each other about who is greater. I know you can't put yourself there, but I could probably put myself there in an instant. And uh, again, just that carnal kind of fleshly me, me, me kind of attitude. And it slowly kind of blends to the background and kind of disappears. And over time, they're just dynamos. They spend their time following the Lord. They look and pay attention to what's going on. They don't get it, but the Holy Spirit comes, puts it all together for them, and uses them as ready vessels. And all that training has been there, and again, allows that to flow out of them. And just a very beautiful picture, again, kind of parallels for us, learning our faith and the fruit thereof. Um Back to our commitments and responsibilities, you know, I can remember only having a full-time job. So no mortgage, no grass to mow, no kids, no pets. Now that feels like semi-retirement, to just show up to work eight hours and go home and you've got the whole afternoon and the whole evening. Man. Um, but at our core, who we are in Christ is to be like Christ, to fellowship with God and to serve him with our lives and to keep at it all of our days. You know, we give our lives to him, ask him to indeed be our Lord and Savior. And then the next day we get up and there's our rotten flesh, our sinful nature looking to mess with us. And we work at taming it over and over. And again, our sinful carnal nature just won't die. And, you know, the world is full of easy ways to do everything, right? Five steps to this, ten things to do here, you know, uh, what was it, eight-minute abs or something? Then they came out with seven-minute abs. So. I mean, just make it up and do five, kind of beat the other guy to the post. But all of the get-rich-quick schemes and all of the ins and outs and the easy way and the shortcuts. <clears throat> and again, for us, you know, the flesh itself not going away and... And really going after it and trying to subdue it can often lead to inflaming it and and having it get the better of us for a time. <clears throat> I don't say that as an absolute, but to think that you know you can succeed is what we chase after, and we don't accept defeat. But knowing that the, again God's grace in when we stumble. And when we, we do give in, and when we again get up and go at it, it's not something that we only get a few chances at. It's not something that should get the better of us. It's not something we should settle into, a life of you know knowing, well, the flesh has that part of my life, and really not too much I can do about it. <clears throat> we all have our weaknesses, and... Um, you know, sometimes in life, they're very, very overbearing. But again, understanding that God sees us as but dust, he, he pities us as his children, and he does love us. And the motivation of our heart to please him and to bless him and to love him and worship him through achieving, again, the, the overcoming it is what he can use. And it sets us apart, I think, for those who... Again, spend time kind of avoiding it or accepting it. And this is, 
it's kind of a tricky area, right? Because life is, there's the damage that sin has done, has done such a number. So again, the, 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 the condition of our heart, the desire to, to please God and to work at it and him supplying what is needed, but not always getting the upper hand, but continuing over and over each time and, and, and showing him that we love him and we want to be obedient and we want victory over this and trusting him. Um, well, <clears throat> bringing our bodies into subjection, you know, keeping his commandments, again, bringing our bodies into subjection. 1 Corinthians 9.24 going to read through 20, uh, verse 27, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Pardon me. So we don't run in life not knowing if we will be accepted. Here in verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. <clears throat> Our faith in Christ gives us the victory, but for those who, pr- uh, but those who press on, and aim in this life to worship God, we're short a crown in the life to come. And again, it's for him. So can't wait to, to obtain the crown and then to, to lay it at his feet. Thinking about this, I have a little canvas that I wrote uh, or painted, sorry, years ago. Um, you know, crooked words, not very well done. So it's not hanging up anywhere. Anyone gets to see it. But uh, painted the words, it is worth it. Um, And really thinking about the Christian life, because, again, pleasing God is the ultimate goal. But uh, I bring it up because I'm polling for names. So I was thinking of calling it the the Mercer Angelo. The Mercer Vinci. You can see me after service. We'll catch up on that. But, again, James rings in two here. James 3. Uh, verse 8 and 9 and 10. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and curse. Uh, sorry, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. And it would be lovely if it wasn't. Again, worth pursuing for our benefit that we don't put our foot in our mouth and for others too that we don't have to apologize because no one likes apologizing, right? Um, But just the things that we're up against and where God gets to use us to show his grace and again show himself strong. And again, pursuing it is something, again, that we set our lives after. Um, Solomon paid a terrible price to pursue life and not God. To pursue life for self and not use his life to serve God with, um, again, the opportunity lost, unnecessary. But Solomon's example is a sobering one and, again, helps us lead out of not trying to get away with such things or spend our time 
pursuing such things. More so an exhortative angle on such a loss as a means to safeguard each of us. So kind of looking at Solomon's life, it's easy for any of us to be there. Um, Again, I'm not the one saying I would do any better. I don't think I would. Looking at, uh, it always struck me, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden would be like, well, I wouldn't eat the fruit because you know it's wrong, right? Well, that's a nice thought, but you live life long enough and you realize that just because you know it's wrong doesn't mean you don't do it. So all of the sin and the, and the, the damage that ensued because of that choice. Um, <clears throat> also, too, a little abstract kind of thought. You know, imagine if the flesh took a day off, how nice that would be, you know, to enjoy not being on guard. Just going about our day without guarding against our sinful nature, expressing itself, you know, through you. So at this moment, the harp music plays and the dream sequence kind of comes on. And uh, there I am sitting down with a nice cup of tea, Vegemite sandwich, flesh taking the day off, talking with my wife about the day, just fully engaged, patiently listening, asking questions, offering empathy and encouragement her staring into my eyes. <clears throat> That's where it ends. Um, I, think, I think for most of us, this is where the constant battle rages. You know, we still have what is common to man in the way of the flesh, and our sinful nature never being satisfied and never letting up, and us not stopping the fight against it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through, th- uh, 1 through 3 Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Paul speaking here, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Second Corinthians four sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. I'm going to finish at Psalm 103, and I'll read verses 8 through 14. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. For he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. 
for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So take heart. Keep it living the life of faith as a whole, not just the easy parts. And kind of thinking of all those verses, this is the God that we serve. In doing so, guarding against all the isms, so legalism, liberalism, having compartments of our lives that are devoted and others that aren't, others that are off-limits, again, off-limits to God and the work of his Holy Spirit, laying the whole life bare as a living sacrifice of worship to our great God. Thinking of serving to, you know, uh, serving so nicely levels the playing field because God uses who's available. Um, world looks for flash. The world looks for, uh, again, status. God's house, it's not so. He will use the person that's available and willing, and uh, he will use them well and uh, mightily too. But, um, you know, I'm not talking about seasons of rest or waiting. Um, um, but, again, for serving, not letting our flesh get the better of us for our attitude to serving. Easy to grumble, hard to submit. Thinking of the kids, you know, back in the kids' classes, so they ask every now and then, can we do cartwheels? I mean, quite honestly, I'd love them to do cartwheels because it'd be nice to just have space for them, right, for the boys to wrestle and carry on, um, blow stuff up, set things on fire, you know, all the stuff kids want to do. Don't worry, I'm kidding for the most part kind of thing in the sense of, there's a room, it's different, but again, just enjoying with the children being there, them learning and then going about playing and fellowshipping and all of those lifelong relationships. But just the understanding on their side, they're in a classroom, there's 10 to 20 bodies in there, and um, quite a lot of the fun stuff kind of goes away in the sense of cartwheels and, and wrestling and so on, so... That's for your own house or the park, etc. But being here to worship as a group puts constraints on us for the benefit of all to worship. And uh, again, I don't go into the, the lengthy discourse with them, assuming that once I say all of that, they'll be like, got it, no problem, we'll never ask again. Um, but I think for us, kind of understanding as we worship corporately, there's some things that we might like, but again, for the benefit of all to worship. Um, And then thinking, too, without serving in God's house, our faith being quite sterile, you know, always learning, having less opportunity to exercise what we're learning, not learning as much about our strengths and weaknesses. One of the benefits of serving is, is learning, again, all that God is doing in his word and having that hit home a lot more often to what he's after in that because of service. You know, we're gifted and we're equipped. Get to that in just a little bit. But serving is very needed for the child of God. Um, I will never forget the wedding at Cana when those who were serving were the ones that got up close and personal to what the Lord was doing. And it's just a, a nice lesson in life that that's where the action is. And again, that keeping our heart to worship him, truly to worship instead of letting our flesh get the better of that condition of the heart to, 
take an unnecessary break. Um, Also, too, mindful, you know, maybe you don't feel like you've got much to offer, waiting until you feel stronger in your faith. Well-intentioned, but maybe wrong. God has gifted you and has a place for you to serve, and and don't doubt it. 1 Corinthians 12.4, read uh, 4 through 7. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And again, that last verse, uh, that last verse, the last verse given to each one for the profit of all. You know, it'd be one thing to bury your gift if it just affected you. But in the house of God, burying your gift is again for the profit of all is why we're given them and exercising it again is profitable for all. Um, At teen camp, the difference between kind of an older saint and a younger saint. So again, stumbling at times, you know, in life, other times just enjoying being caught up in thankfulness and worship of God, thinking about his blessings, all that he's done, is doing, being excited about what is to come while knowing there will be tribulation and not letting that spoil the enjoyment again of of all that God is doing and will do. But uh, thinking of that reminded me at teen camp, Many years ago, the adults, the chaperones, the pastors usually sit up the back so we can throw things at the children up the front. And um, we're singing, I'll Fly Away. And it was just such a stark contrast. As the kids were up the front clapping, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. The adults at the back, I mean, we're belting it out, unashamed, that one day we will fly away and all of this will be left behind. And I can't wait for that day. That's not a slide on the teens. They're teens. But again, for the adults, just the enjoyment of, of, of knowing what awaits us, knowing what we're working towards and knowing that he is faithful. Um, another one would be uh, the song, When I Die, Don't Cry For Me. The verse there, and I will not be ashamed for my Savior knows my name. And again, the, the peace that that gives the believer. So the testimony that God is building through us with our lives, learning the examples Jesus lived and what God has put in his word regarding all of life. Easy ones, John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Another one, Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Uh, Paul being told, and even we today hearing that a faith of grace and of liberty is dangerous, the law or rules are better at keeping Christians on the right track. You know, it is easier. I mean, faith would be um, pretty easy if you were just told what to do. I wouldn't mind it, being given an assignment. This is what you do, this is how you do it. I can remember a brother that would lead um, men's maintenance and laid it all out and told you exactly what to do. I kind of enjoyed it. It wasn't for everyone, though. You know, some, it's hard to be told what to do, maybe, but uh, again, then it wouldn't be faith if that's how our faith worked. 
so learning and uh, enjoying the process of learning. Obviously, part of that is making mistakes and falling short and regrets and so forth, but not looking back and, and pressing forward. But again, being told that uh, uh, faith of liberty is dangerous, rules being better to keep us in check, <clears throat> faith is work and trust and submission and obedience to name a few. So you don't get that from the rules. You get that from exercising your faith and learning. But learning how to overcome the flesh and walk in the spirit in faith, not by, our, not by our own works and cunning, not figuring it out for ourselves and then holding God accountable to all that we've figured out and done, but just enjoying the blessing of, again, being his and being led and, and being taught. Um, Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. <clears throat> those who diligently seek him. And again, that's what it takes. That's what it takes in our life of faith to, uh, again, continue to perfect and build on what he is doing and what he wants to do, and again, being submitted to do so. We're going to finish up with rewards. Paul wasn't shy about talking about rewards. Oh, sorry, got one more verse after this one. Um, but 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 through 16. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take hold how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? <clears throat> and again, we'll finish up here in Titus chapter 12. Oh, chapter 12. Seeing if you're awake. Chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. So Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. It is a blessing to share in that pursuit one with another, to come and to worship and to be uh, used in each other's lives, to have each other be a blessing to one another and to be part of his family. Well, let's pray. Oh, Father, we love you. We thank you for, again, teaching us and enjoying the process of you ministering to us and, and yielding fruit. 
you indeed get us home safely. May fellowship be sweet also. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.